0: I'm April Morrison, doctor of physical therapy, accidental entrepreneur, and lifelong learner. You're tuned in to the Idaho Physio Podcast, where we talk about things, health, wellness, and high performance in all areas of life. The big goal here is to talk to high achievers and those that surround themselves with the top performers in their fields to get some insights, tips, and inspiration that we can all use in our daily lives. The title may say Idaho, but the content reaches far beyond our borders and is relevant for everyone, regardless of where you find yourself. As always, the content you are about to hear does not replace the medical advice of your doctor, so please seek professional opinions should you need them. Now kick back, relax, and enjoy the episode. We are glad you're here. Hey everyone, welcome to the Idaho Physio, a podcast about health, wellness, and high performance for high achievers. Uh, we're super happy to have you here today. Um, just as a reminder, if you haven't done so yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. Make sure you're listening either on our YouTube channel or um, via Apple and Spotify and um we also love hearing from you, so make some comments, make sure you let us know if there's someone that you know in your life that needs to be interviewed and we need to talk to then let us know, reach out and tell us. We're always happy to hear of new people that are the high achievers in their fields. Um, without further ado, we definitely have one of those high achievers in her field. Uh, today, we are talking to Dr. Rhonda, Rhonda Anderson, excuse me. Um, she has been practicing nursing for over 50 years and is a doctor of nursing. Uh, Rhonda is the president of the American Nurses uh, Credentialing um, Center. She's a trustee of the Arizona um, Perinatal Trust, a board member of multiple (laughs) boards, gosh, Feeding Matters, Ryan House, Chamberlain University, Make-A-Wish, Um, she's on the advisory board of Grand Canyon University Nursing and has held so many, uh, roles in, in the healthcare field. Um, Rhonda has been a CNO, a COO, and a CEO. So we've got all that alphabet soup at the back of your name, which is fantastic. Um, and, uh, Rhonda has also been, you may have seen her in either in Arizona or Illinois and Connecticut. She has kind of traveled a little bit in her career. Um, And then also she served on the American Hospital Association Board as well as the Joint Commission. So my goodness, and that's not even all of it. I I cut that down. You've you've done so much (laughs) in your career and in your life, and you're absolutely one of the top performers and high achievers we would love to chat with. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Yeah, we are we're fortunate to have you here and we I know I just kind of rambled a little bit about what you have done and who you are but maybe you can give a little condensed version of that and kind of what you're you're currently working on. Great.
1: Thank you. Well, I've had uh various roles as was stated and also throughout the country. So that's been wonderful because healthcare even though we're in the United States is different across the country. And so it's really been a great opportunity to help shape it and/or bring some experience to a particular place that is looking for um, some of that uh, evolution, if you will, of their healthcare organizations. So my most recent position before I—and I call it preferment, not retirement—but <laughs> before I left um, was the chief executive officer of. Banner-Carden Children's Medical Center in Mesa, Arizona. And that was such a privilege because um, there was no children's hospital there. And I had the absolute wonderful opportunity to build it from the ground up um, and really use children and families as the advisors to our architects and um, our construction crew. So it was um, amazing. And when you go inside, uh, it's just amazing because it's designed through the eyes of a child. And that's just so wonderful. And back to me, I guess, um, I had the experience of doing that. But I've I've really been able to influence the care and care models in a variety of ways, whether that's in volunteer roles or a direct responsibility um, and leadership as a chief nurse, or as a chief operating officer or executive officer. Um, currently in preferment, and I love it because you can say yes or no. <laughs> I love that. Uh, uh, and so I'm, I'm getting a whole club of preferees, if you will, um, together here because there are still a lot of things that we want, each of us want to do and can contribute to. Uh, one of the things that I do do in my preferment. Um, I do have contracts with various places for various things, but I also work with Global Healthcare Accreditation. and We accredit medical travel programs all over the world and domestically, and that is really fun. Now, the most recent, of course, because of COVID, is we're having to do them um, online. So we are doing virtual uh, surveys, which is quite challenging and quite interesting. But because of my presidency at ANCC, we also are doing those surveys, if the organization wants it, in a virtual way, so for magnet status, et cetera. So it's been kind of fun learning a new way. The people at the other end, with their mobile cart um, taking us around to visit patients, to visit staff, it's really fun and quite an interesting way to do your surveys. Absolutely. So that's... That's one of the opportunities that we have uh, today um, in my preferment role. I am a consultant, obviously, and so I consult in a variety of ways. And on some of the boards on which I sit on the national level, they're really consulting our advisory um, positions. So there's an orthopedic group that I work with. There's a virtual nursing group that I work with, um, and so a whole variety of those types of boards um, to be able to talk about, okay, what's the future model going to look like? Yeah. And how do we use technology to make sure that those models of care work well?
0: Now, when you first started in the career of nursing, um, did you imagine that this change would kind of have happened, that, that we're kind of doing things more <laughs> virtually and, and using more technology? You know, um, I did, but I didn't
1: realize um, exactly how. I didn't know that. But I grew up um, with a big farming family. So my great-grandparents had 19 children. There were days on the weekend that there were 150 of us as family on one of the farms after church. And the reason I use that as an example is because that was the agricultural time. That's not that we don't have agriculture today, but look at the technology in agriculture. And way back then, we were doing, I was milking cows by hand. So, you know, that's a whole different thing than even the milking machines. And now, obviously, today, a whole variety of different ways. So um, I visualized that there would be some differences in the, in the practice of nursing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then as newest te- newer technologies came in, not even the electronic medical, a record, but just some of the monitoring in the ICUs, et cetera, yeah. um, obviously your mind can go off and say, oh, but if we had this, boy, would that make it an enhancement for the patient and for us as the practicing nurses. So yes, but right. not, not exactly what it is today.
0: Oh, yeah. I don't know that, that anyone could have kind of predicted that um, You know, when you started. Can I ask, uh, what, what brought you into nursing? What was the, the thing that kind of started you down that path?
1: Well, when I was um, when I was growing up, um, my grandmother, one of those nineteen, um, she um, she never got to go to school um, because the girls had to really work on the farm. But but Grandma was really one who loved to take care of people, so she became the superintendent of a TV sanitarium, and I was probably well, I think I was about fourteen. And I went to work down there in the kitchen with her Mm -hmm. and was exposed then to um, how to take care of patients, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Then I became a um, candy striper, (laughs) like a lot of people, I guess, and uh, really, really loved it. And so just continued to progress in that way Mm -hmm. and um, really had, I guess, wanted really to take care of people. And I, I think that comes from the family because we all took care of each other. Everybody really, you had to,
0: you know. Yeah. Well, so then, funny. when
1: I was a little bit older, as a teen, I actually had three jobs. Um, in this, uh, I was a camp counselor for physically challenged children. Okay. And then a model um, in a boutique, and then my father stepdad owned um, uh, some businesses and I helped work in those businesses as well. So I learned the business side as well as the caring side.
0: Very cool. And I think that that probably was a great foundation, you know, learning to care for your family members first off, and then, you know, seeing through the eyes of your grandmother, what you went through. And then, you know, with your stepdad, like all the business stuff, it sounds like that was a great, you know, cultivating area for you to have achieved so much. Um, and, you know, fast forward to now and and look at all that you've done. That's pretty amazing.
1: I think persistence is what I learned. Um, my dad was killed in the war when I was just two months old. And so I watched my mom, um, be persistent, move back from Idaho, where I was born to Illinois, where the big family was, and just watched her and uh, my grandmother be um, persistent at what they did. My grandmother, as I said, didn't go to school because the girls couldn't. But at 85, she called me and she said, you got to come over. you got to come over. So I thought, oh my gosh, something's wrong. But I went o- and I went over and she pulls out this piece of paper. She got her GED at 85 because that was a goal. Wow. And so I know persistence and setting goals really is what helped me learn how to to set goals and move forward.
0: That's amazing, I, and I, I'm, I wanna delve a little deeper into that and to see you know, what other character traits and stuff like that, but before we do, you mentioned Idaho, and that's where I, we are now, the Idaho right. Um, right. where in Idaho were you born? Boise, on the oh. base. All right, great. So you're an night home girl. <laughs> I am. <laughs> All right, perfect. Um, so let's continue on. I want to hear some more about those traits that you learned, either from family members or that you picked up uh, through good habits or whatever it is, um, that helped kind of create that um, attitude of high performance and, um, in, in your life and in your career. I, I would
1: say um, the first one is really values and a good, solid Christian background. Okay. Um, the values were the foundation. And, and all through my career, over all of these years, um, there is a lot of temptation. And people want you to do something that may not quite be right or whatever. Um, but always using those as the foundation in decision-making was really a key. Um, perfection. Was another one. Uh, I remember working for, in the kitchen with my grandmother and um, plating salads. And if things weren't exactly where they were supposed to be on that plate, and so from that, you know, that perfection was just a key. Okay. Um, persistence, as I said, is uh, really important. But but overall, setting goals. Okay. Um, Great grandpa with all the farms that he owned there were goals of what would be ha- happening, how much milk would be sold, what the fields would be like, et cetera. So from the time I could got back home and could walk, we learned that you set those goals and you achieve those goals through um,
0: appropriate ethics and values. And your grandmother did the same thing all through her life, right? Getting yes. that, and her goal of her GED, that's fantastic. Right. Wow. And mom
1: did too. Mom- Mom um, was great. I mean, she never, she didn't work. She married when I remarried when I was four after my dad died, and um, but she always was focused on. I mean, I, I give her so much credit. She's still alive today. She's ninety nine. Wow. She just had her ninety ninth birthday, and um, you know, um, she's still focused on those goals. And what am I going to do? I talk to her four, three times a day, um, and we talk about did you achieve the walking this morning did you do this did you
0: do that so yes so it never ends it doesn't <laughs> and you still got to be accountable to your goals I love it
1: yeah well great-grandpa and grandma were 103 and 105 wow. uh, none of the 19 died under 90 so wow. I guess I have
0: a ways to go yet <laughs> yeah you have the longevity in your genes that's right. for sure do you have uh siblings I have um four
1: half brothers and sisters. Yeah. Um, And they're fabulous. They live in various parts of the country, but we always are in communication and touch base and um, all working toward the same goal, which is to try to get back to Illinois to make sure we see mom for her we weren't gonna go until COVID for the 99th. So now we've got her counting down on the 100th
0: to when we'll be there. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, you gotta mark those milestones for sure. And it's always right. fun with more people too. Right, Yeah,
1: I think the other thing um, is community. Always, um, even you know, on the farming, it was always community. You helped, even if it was 10 miles away because you had so much acreage, you always helped the other guy. Um, and so, when you talked about me being on some boards and things like that, it's always about giving back in community. And uh, current in healthcare, obviously, the community health needs assessment and making sure that um, diversity and inclusion are a part of the work that you do—that's um, that's always been a part of the work that I've, I've uh, participated in. When I was in Hartford, we did a Wonderful, wonderful program! I'm so proud of it. I was chairman of the board of Urban League, and our church. We got our church to raise seven hundred fifty thousand mm-hmm. dollars, and we did an after-school program and a summer program um, where we would bring the gang kids in, and we said, "If you stay in school and you do well, we'll get we'll pay for your full college." Uh-huh. And um, we the first grouping we had fifteen, uh, well. One other thing, we said, you have to bring somebody with you, like grandma, if that's a significant other or mom or whomever it is, Mm -hmm. and um, into the program also, because we helped them then learn a new skill as well. Um, But the first 15 went to Harvard, Yale, Brown. It was so great. One of the things we said is when they came back after they graduated, they had to help us. And it's my understanding almost 20 years later that that program is still going. So we're really excited about that.
0: Wow, that is yeah. fantastic. And, yeah. and what was the program called? Did, you, did it have a name?
1: Or It didn't have a name. It was no? just um, it, it was sponsored by our church, um, which was the congregational church there in um, Hartford, Connecticut, wow. uh, along with uh, Urban Lead. The money came from the church, and then the Urban Lead helped, lead helped us source the
0: kids. Wow. That's amazing. Just to think about how many lives were touched during that 20 years gives me goosebumps. I love it.
1: Well, and kept them out of gangs and kept them off, you know, really healthy and really productive citizens, which was so important because they're bright as can be. Right. Um, They just didn't all have opportunities. And so that was what was so important.
0: Sometimes it's just kind of giving somebody another glimpse into what else is available that really sparks an interest or something. Right. And that's
1: why we wanted somebody from the family or friend or whomever it was that was close to this individual to be part of it, because mm-hmm. they needed that encouragement after they left us, after, um, you know, the school, pro- after school program was finished, they'd go home. Yeah. And they need, needed some continued encouragement.
0: So, so anything else on the, on your list of those um, top things? I know you rattled off quite a few, so I didn't want to miss any of them. No, I think I think
1: uh, the other thing I would say and is uh, availability and visibility. Mm-hmm. As leaders, there's some who hide in their office. I'm going to just say it that way, yeah. um, and and the people don't even know them. Um, but to be, I think, a very good or great leader, you need to know what's going on, and not not always have it filtered. Right. Um, So being out and about, and in my case, different shifts, uh, uh, different times of the day, um, really, really, I think, is an important thing. And knowing the people, really knowing them. Mm -hmm. One of the techniques I used was every Friday I asked all my managers to send me by email a list of accomplishments for individuals. So somebody maybe got married on their unit. Somebody maybe had a baby somebody got a degree, whatever it was. And then I spent the weekend writing personal thank you notes and sending them to their homes, but remembered who that was so that when I was out and about, I could specifically speak to say Joan or April and say, oh, wow, April, what an accomplishment. Makes a huge difference. And then they really open up and tell you what's right and what's wrong and what's going on, et cetera. They're not afraid of you. Um, But I can remember my first leadership position. I I was just out and about, and everybody was like powering. And I I had just started. And I I finally said to the managers, the frontline managers, what's going on? Well, they've never seen a leader that frequently. I said, well, now we're going to have an all-staff meeting And I had it different times of the day and night. Um, And I said, you know what? I understand that you don't normally see leaders. You're going to see me all the time. And it's not because there's anything wrong. It's because I want to see you and I want to know about you. And I want to know about what we can do better and different. Oh, my gosh. Changed the whole atmosphere.
0: You know, it was just fabulous. Yeah. I bet that that was like a culture shock for a lot of people. It was, it really was, yeah. So, um, a little of my background, I I used to work in a hospital setting and, um, we have a CEO here locally. Uh, her name is Odette Bolano and she would do the same thing. She would walk around and come to the different, um, units and talk with people. And it was always such a refreshing thing to see her and be able to talk with her about things that were going on. And so I can imagine that you're, you're, Uh, staff felt the same way you know that that okay yeah you she really does care she she wants to know what our issues are and she's not just kind of putting on a show like showing up once a quarter to check a box in some leadership checklist like it's actually management by walking around and and getting (laughs) getting the right words of what's you know what's happening in the pulse
1: Well, and another um, approach, an additional approach would be, um, I worked with the quality leader, a person who was my director of quality, and we went around, and um, that was separate from the other rounding that I did, and we would um, really look at, ask the question, if there were two things we could do differently, what would they be? And we would take all of that information from every one of the areas, see what we had as a consistent improvement opportunity, and then we would work on that. And then in my weekly communication, I would publish that. And I'd give the credit to the three people who said the same thing and that we were working on. And, and, and so that really helped too, because first of all, it made their lives better. Second of all, people got recognition, which I think is another important trait, if you will, And then third, obviously, it was better for our patients. Um, So all all of those things really make a difference if you use um, different techniques like that, different approaches.
0: Wow. So um, changing gears again on you here. So if you could kind of go back to... to the Rhonda that was on the farm and volunteering um, either at the place with your grandma or as a candy striper, and you could tell her something uh, from now that you would want her to know then. Is there any wisdom or advice or anything that you wish you knew back then about what life was gonna have for you or have in store for you?
1: Um, I guess what I would say is Make sure you don't get stuck.
0: Um,
1: Make sure that you're open to change. And I always use the word nimble and flexible. Let's be nimble and flexible. And today, as we've seen what's going on with COVID, that whole nimble, flexible pivoting has to occur. Um, And it normally has to occur as well, but it takes longer when you're not in a pandemic or a crisis. And I think the piece I would say is don't don't drag it out. Don't wait for a crisis. If there's really something that needs to be um, changed and it's not comfortable, but it does need to be changed, go for it. Um, I always would say, um, if, if it's not going to harm a patient, then let's try it. Um, and that, that to me is what we should do, be open. So those kinds of things and thinking of them all the time.
0: Right. So, yeah, the worst thing that could happen, obviously, you don't want to hurt a patient, but if if patient safety is not on the table, the worst thing that could happen is that it doesn't work and you try right? Exactly. And you learned from it. What yep.
1: didn't work with the lessons learned? And then how do we apply those lessons learned to the next time?
0: And you're never wondering what if, right? You've, you've kind of moved past that. That's great. Exactly. I like that. I yeah. like that. Um, so is there anything else that, um, that you think that you've learned over this, over your, you know, varied career that you want to share and impart on, on people about, you know, high achieving, making sure you're doing the things you should be doing to become a high achiever. I would
1: say balance in your life. Um, one, uh, another phrase I always used with my staff and, uh, really lived by it is your children will never be that age again. Yeah. There will always be a job for you mm-hmm. as a nurse, as a clinician. So don't, don't regret that you didn't do something with them. And for my career, that that's exactly what I did. When my kids were young, I did some part-time work. Um, nursing, again, is so flexible. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so it's really, I think, important for you to have that balance in your life have those professional goals, but balance them with personal goals and family goals and make sure that that you're uh, really evaluating each of the opportunities, both personal and professional, and seeing if it's it's that important right now, then go for it. Like a a child who is in kindergarten or something and you want to be home half days. but I just, I just worry sometimes that um, there's sometimes too much of a focus on the profession and um, the regrets for some people would, would be big. So it's important for us as leaders to role model it and to articulate it and help our uh, coach, if you will, our
0: staff which is interesting to hear because a lot of times you expect the leaders to say you're yes, work, 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 get all the hours in that you can, we need you here, you know, just whatever you can. I don't care. You know, no, you can't have vacation time, that sort of thing. You kind of expect those things or do you really need to take PTO or, you know, something (laughs) like that. And so it's nice and refreshing to hear that leaders that are, are like yourself are you know, kind of on the forefront of trying to encourage people to have balance in life. And, and, and I think that it's a really hard thing for a lot of people to achieve is that is that balance, that work-life balance. Um, did you I have don't, any tricks for yeah, the I, trade? I don't. sorry, go ahead. Did you have any tricks of the trade on how you were able to achieve the balance? Well,
1: part of it was with, with the children and my husband, you know, um, we would sit down and have our, our discussions about um, who was going to be doing what next. So from a degree's perspective, who's going back to school. Um, when one of us, my husband or myself, were in, in a graduate program, you know, we alternated that. But we also talked with kids about it, and we did our homework together. We would all sit, like if I was in school and had some things I needed to do, and our son needed to as well, then we would sit at the same place in the house, do our studying together, different subjects, but do it together so that everybody knew what was happening. But we also um, were real clear, if he had a soccer game, we were going to be at the soccer game. Um, So it's just that being purposeful, I guess, about it, and making certain that the plan is there. Um, was really an important way that we, we did it. We had what we called family conferences and did that kind of work together.
0: That's great. And I like that you kind of are modeling it for your kids at the same time and, and kind of showing them the importance that you are putting on education and lifelong learning. Um, that's fantastic.
1: Well, we see it now. We see it in our daughter's son, who is in kindergarten, um, started virtual kindergarten this year um, and how they're working with him and we do too I mean he'll call us like he called this morning and say, can you come over tomorrow morning and talk um, because I want to show you what I'm working on and so it's great to be able to do that.
0: That's great so how many grandkids
1: do you have then Rhonda? Just two. Okay. One of our son's son is 26 and our daughter's son is five. <laughs> wow. You got the gamut. <laughs> yeah, we do. So we learn different languages is what I've said.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's awesome. Wow. All right. So is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to make sure that we share um, from your experience? Yes, I think so. Don't be afraid
1: to leave a job. If you really find that the culture and the values, I mean, certainly you should be checking that out before you take the job, but sometimes you can't tell. Right. And so don't be afraid to leave a job. Um, again, there will always be something out there in our field, especially, and in health um, But but don't hang on because you want a job. You know, one of the things I wrote a long time ago was um, just a real simple little article, and I said, write two columns. The first column is what makes you jump. What makes you jump out of bed in the morning and say, "I love doing this," and it's not a title. It's these things. Okay. And then write a second t- uh, column that says what pulls what pulls the covers over your head and say, mm-hmm. "I don't want to get out at all." Yeah. And and update that on a regular basis so that when you are thinking about your current position, go back to that and see how many fall into what category. And when you're looking for something new, do the same thing. Don't look at the title. Look at the, the things, the functions. And don't be afraid to say, this just doesn't fit. This just doesn't fit my values and the things that I love. Um, and the contributions I want to make. So that, I would say, is something that really is important. One of the things I did over my career was every three years, I would actually hire a, a firm. In in the placement firms, there are counselors and psychologists, and they, they administer tests about what you'd like to do, what you don't like to do, et cetera. Mm-hmm. And so I would just... Not because I was looking, I just, we all change. And so I would just want an update of mine. It might look the same as it did three years ago, but it might not. And that always helped me also, um, as I was thinking about now, where do I want to be? What do I want to do? Where do I want to contribute, et cetera? So finding anything like that, I think is really important. The second thing I would say is take care of yourself. mindfulness, guided imagery, ways to manage stress. These are tough jobs. They're very tough jobs as we all know. So take care of yourself. You can't help anybody else if you're not. And that's the other thing in the role modeling because if, you, if you're you constantly doing what you said earlier April about give me another shift, work another 12 hours, et cetera, that person doesn't have enough left in them to give to the patients the way they need to. Right. So this is about how you're um, supporting your patients and yourself and your family. And you just can't do it if you don't have a way. So yoga, exercise, whatever works. <laughs> we even had at a couple of my hospitals, a couple different things, One one year, one of the the physicians' organization always wanted to buy gifts for the staff. So we had them buy um, uh, bread-making machines because that smell in the conference room was so relieving for all of our staff. And they (laughs) ate the bread, besides. And it wasn't a lot of carbs, so it was okay. Um, (laughs) One year, we had them buy foot-massaging machines for all of our break rooms. Um, My spiritual care staff, and I would just say, use your spiritual care staff for some of these mindfulness care kind of things. We had a mom um, actually kill her child in our hospital. Horrible. But our spiritual care work with myself, working with that staff. And then we closed down that room for about a month and a half. And before we opened it up again, we had a blessing of the room by the spiritual care people. So our staff felt that that they could go back in it and not have all the negativity uh, around them. So just things that are purposeful like that Mm -hmm. to take care of yourself and your staff are so key, I think, too.
0: Yeah, I I think that's um, a piece that a lot of people forget is that they're so busy taking care of others that they put themselves on the back burner and they'll get to that at some other time. Um, But when your health and your wellness um, is a back burner, then when does it ever come to the forefront? It's when dysfunction happens, right? When you're injured or your mental health is at stake or, you know, you've, you've worn yourself down. And that's when people um, start to focus on wellness is when they're not well. And so I, I like that you think of trying to take care of that and be a little more proactive. I think that's great. Well,
1: and listen to what they tell you. Um, a group of staff said a labyrinth would be wonderful if we could just have a labyrinth to walk. So we put a labyrinth right across from the chapel and they could walk the labyrinth. Um, So just things like that. We had a a gong um, and um, we started it because the children on our cancer unit said after that, that was a celebration when they finished chemo or whatever. Well, it spilled over to the staff and the staff had celebrations as well. And they used that and they had their, markings on the wall and their sayings on the wall and things like that so whatever works for them is what we should be supporting
0: i like that and i like that you actually get down to the worker level and ask what they want as opposed to what management thinks they want Um, right exactly that's not the right way to do it (laughs) no but unfortunately not everybody goes by that so right Awesome. Um, so before I let you go, um, how do people get in touch with you if they want to, you know, get some more wisdom from you or ask for coaching or some of that? I, I know I work with a lot of nurses and uh, have a lot of friends that are nurses. And gosh, I feel like they could glean so much more info from you than we've been able to just in this half hour. So how can people get in touch with you? So my web, I mean, my email for my business is
1: Consulting. Okay. 2016 at
0: gmail.com. And it's
1: all one, no spaces, no dots, no nothing.
0: Okay, great. We'll put that in the show notes too, so that people great. will have it to reach and, and, and look at and um, be able to contact you. Um, Thank you. It, it was such a pleasure to chat with you. I feel like I could probably go on for another hour and a half just getting <laughs> some more info from you. So we might ask you to come back again and, and talk about some other stuff, but um, it has been a, a wonderful chat and I really appreciate your time. Well,
1: thank you. And thank you for having me. I really appreciate being here. And I would invite anybody to just get in touch with me. Um, I just love to talk with people and encourage them. I think encouragement and mentorship is really a key.
0: But absolutely. I love it. I think your probably inbox is going to be inundated here soon. So (laughs) be careful what you wish for. (laughs) Okay. All right. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. Dr. Anderson. We will chat with you soon. We've really great. Have a good day. You too. Nice meeting you. Bye bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Idaho Physio. We hope you gained some insights, inspiration, and some ideas on how to be amongst the top performers and high achievers in the world. Know someone that's crushing it that we should talk to? Let us know. As always, we welcome your feedback. Remember to subscribe so you don't miss an episode and share our podcast with friends, family, heck, even complete strangers. Because hey, who couldn't use a little inspiration these days? Thanks again. Now get out there and be amazing.